Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Dear friends, attitude is everything when you are camping. If I hold this up, does this bring you warm fuzzies and potential? Pudgy pies. Or is it like, no, no, we're not going there. Attitude is everything when we go camping. Especially if your family did things like going to a national forest to a remote campsite. And you pitched your tent with mom and dad and you looked around and your world had shrunk from Siri, what's happening? Here's some news. Your world had shrunk from that to no cell towers. Imagine that when you're 16. And your world had shrunk from like, whoa, to a campsite as big as this platform surrounded by bushes and trees. There was not a Taco Bell half a block from home. There was not a Culver's a mile and a half away. There was this. There was this, and you thought, well, let's open the door and see what's in there. And then, and then Dad holds up this. You're like, whoa. My life just shrunk on this camping trip. Whoa is me. And then you're like, you, you, you did the risky thing. Dad, what are we doing on this vacation? And dad is smiling as he looks over at his wife and he says for the kids to hear, he says, well, we're having a lot of family time. You're like, whoa, that really shrunk my life. Hanging out with the fam for the week, cool. And then dad says, well, we're going to go hiking. We're going to hike to the top of this hill. And at the top of the hill is this amazing cafe with the best burgers in the state. And when we're done with that, we're going to go, we're going to go zip lining down the mountain. And at the bottom of the mountain, there's a, there's, a, there's a mountain pool from the springs, and we're going to swim. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, this baby isn't so bad. And then Dad says, and then we're going to come home, and he grabs this, and he says, we're going to take this, and we are going to make, well, they call it calzone. It's a fancy, fancy word for pizza. And we're going to put sausage and bacon and eggs between two pieces of bread. And then we brought pie dough and filling, and we're going to drizzle frosting on it. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I didn't see all that coming. You see, when you pitch a tent in this life, it's helpful if you can pitch a tent with eyes that see. And as we camp with Israel today, Israel had trouble pitching a tent with eyes that could see the ability of God to bless and the mercy of God to love them in the struggle. The ability of God to bless. So as Israel was camping in the desert, what had they seen beyond this geographical spot of isolation. What had they seen in life? Well, they had seen the parting of the Red Sea. 
They had seen God cause an east wind to blow. And Moses raised his hand over the water, and the waters divided and dried out the land, and the people walked through on dry ground, and then God closed the sea on the, armies of, on the army of Pharaoh, saving his people. They had seen that. For a year they had been waking up to this manna, covering the ground, and they had eaten in the middle of a desert two million people. They had seen Moses strike a rock. And water gushed out of that rock to give water to two million people. Now, as the Lord describes manna to us in the Bible, manna was not that bad. In fact, it was pretty good. It was like something uh, made with olive oil. And there was a sweetness to it. But ask yourself, if you had peanut butter and jelly toast for breakfast for a year with nothing else, might you be tempted to whine? What are your eating habits? What are mine? But manna, manna was not bad, but it was the same. And so before we, we get on Israel too much, the reflection on ourselves is good. The manna created in Israel a want. Manna every day was the same. And the children of Israel got frustrated with the manna, and they wanted more. And the Hebrew word for want is, is to lust for, craving it. It controlled them. It created a want, and they forgot the potential of power and love in their God. Remember when your kids were little, or knowing when your kids are little? The importance of teaching them please and thank you. Why do we do that? Can I have a cracker, Grandma? Can you say please? Please. What do you say for the cheese and, cheese and cracker? And our, little, our little grandson says, Gitu. Thank you. Why do we teach that? Is it just for politeness? Are we not helping instill in them that someday the light bulb will go on, that there's a source to their blessing. And there's always the potential for more blessing. Grandma, can I have more? Please. Israel forgot to say, please. It was easier to whine at the Lord who had split the sea, brought water from the rock, rained down the manna. They didn't think to ask God. They just whined. And think about this. Remember last week's text. This happened with the cloud of the Almighty God over the camp. The fire of God in the cloud at night. There was no fear of God. He's powerful. There was no memory of God. He used that power for us. They forgot to ask God. We're told, Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. Every family. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. Are we ever Israel? Where we fail to see and remember the power of the Lord to bless. 
Maybe you're in a marriage that seems suffocating. And not because of anything necessarily in your spouse, it just seems suffocating. I couldn't help but think back to the old England Dan and John Ford Coley song. It's so sad to belong to someone else when the right one comes along. I think the temptation that put in people's hearts and minds years ago, right? In a marriage that is suffocating, and sometimes we we forget that God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll bring a helper suitable for him, and maybe we should ask ourselves, am I being and doing what God wants me to be? To discover the blessings that are in the marriage he has given me. Not at all speaking into marriages where abuse exists. Maybe children. Children are are hemming me in. I feel claustrophobic in my own life, the schedule. And we forget the Lord's promise that like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. But we have two. The quiver could have been bigger. God said, no, two. Children are an, are an inheritance from, from the Lord, a blessing from the Lord, the Lord says. But sometimes we whine, oh, I wish. Maybe on the personal side, your world's feeling very small. You're gifted. You had vision. You had dreams of what you wanted to be and do. And all God has done since college graduation is to shrink your world, and you aren't very impressed with what's inside. And we forget that our God who says to us in all things, I am working for your good to bless you. Maybe the personal side is, is age. You're 59 years old. Lord, I wanted to do more, but I'm close to dead. I'm more dead than I am alive. We forget. Or maybe we have health issues. Health issues that are life-threatening. And all of a sudden, our world that was so big has now shrunk to something very small. And we forget that that's the reality of this life. For all of us, our world is going to shrink. The day will come where our world has shrunk to a hospital room and a hospital bed, and our people are those who came to see us. And the doctor says, you're going home to Jesus if he or she knows Jesus. And our world can seem very small unless we remember the potential and the power of our God to bless. You see how Jesus is so practical for us? Not just for eternal life, I'm going to go there someday when I'm old and die. No, he's practical for us every day. Because the curse of sin, of sin in our world affects us and narrows our lives. We wanted more, we have less. We thought we'd do more, we've done less. We thought my life would look like this, it looks like this. But guess what? When Jesus came into this world, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What's he thinking about? Eternal life first and foremost. You and I will live with the Almighty God someday forever with no sin, no suffering, no pain, nothing to shrink who we are. But in the here and now, it's Jesus who said, 
See this little pudgy pie maker called your life? I can still make good stuff out of it. Trust me. And we hang on to his promises, and he teaches us to be a loving husband or wife, a caring and loving and patient father or mother. And he teaches us to trust him with our own personal lives that I, what I thought I would be, I am not. But that's okay. Because someday I'll live in heaven forever with Jesus. And in the big picture, my life is awesome. Now what happened with Moses? Why didn't Moses do better? Did it amaze you just a little bit, Moses' response? Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you, pro you promised on oath to their ancestors? Moses was one of them, remember. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. It's important to note that Moses' prayer, though it's a whining to God, it's still a prayer from faith. It's still a prayer from faith. He's reaching out to God as he's wrestling. But why was Moses wrestling? Wouldn't you think that, come on, Moses, it was God who said to you, a man, raise your staff over the waters and I will separate the waters and bring glory to you in the eyes of the Israelites. It was God who told Moses, take your staff and strike the rock and water will gush. It was Moses who said, tomorrow the Lord's going to feed you. Go to bed, sleep well, man is coming. And it came. Why did Moses struggle? Why do you and I struggle? Whose to-do list was longer, yours or Moses? Two million people. Longer than both arms and both legs, what to do today? And then all of the unexpecteds. And then these whining people, come on, have a life, trust God. James says in chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. Moses, too, forgot to ask. Does our God understand you and me? When at times in frustration we look to heaven and we say, God, really? You gave me all this to do. Just like with Moses, our God has patience with you and me. And he was about to strengthen Moses with the handiwork, the work of God. God told, tell, told Moses, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it just one day or two days or five, ten or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. 
because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? Moses still stuck. Here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if the, flo- if the flocks and herds were slaughtered for them that were along with them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses. you got to love this picture. Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Is the arm of the Lord ever too short to do what he promises? Moses and all Israel failed to ask, failed to trust, and even Moses. And God in love receives Moses whining as well and says, sit back, my brother, my son. You're about to see the Lord do his thing. And Israel was about to see the amazing reach of the Lord. This would have been an amazing sight. The east wind blew in from the sea, and it brought quail. By the billions it would have been. We're told that they covered the ground to to two cubits deep, deep, three feet deep of quail, all around the camp, as far as you could walk in one day's journey in any direction. Quail. We're told that everybody gathered ten homers. This is not home runs. A homer is a donkey load. Everyone gathered a donkey load feverishly for a day and a half. And they piled the meat up around the camp to dry. And then they cooked some and they, with glee, sunk their teeth in. But the key, rejecting the Lord. In unbelief, they failed to see God as their loving provider, to trust Him, and to ask Him. And in their lust of unbelief, for some of them, the Lord sent a plague. And took them out of this life in judgment on their unbelief. That can be hard for us to read sometimes. Especially if we find ourselves stuck in the smallness of just these verses. Remember that the reach of the Lord is far and mighty and perfect. And the reach of the Lord has to do with his reach with our sin. You and I know that our God is a loving God and a just God. And we've done this before, but we'll do this again. Think of God God as an airplane. And an airplane only flies when it has two wings. And when it comes to our God, he flies with the wing of justice and he flies with the wing of love. And if you think about what's true in this life, you cannot have justice without love. If you are not fairly applying the laws and bringing punishment on people, you lose the wing of, of, of love and justice, justice pulls you to the ground. If while you're applying justice, you fail to love, and you lose the wing of love, you're pulled to the ground. In order for things to work well in this world, there needs to be justice. There must be punishment for sin. 
But it must be done in love. In love and in justice, that is our God. And our God says he must punish sin. And we want him to punish sin. Because sin brings hurt, right? And sin hurts people, and hurt people hurt. God, you must bring justice to the world. And so God did. He did it in the person of his son. That's how long his reach is. He reached into this world from heaven by sending his son to die for your sins and mine here in Muskego, Wisconsin. That's how long the reach of his justice is. You will die for the sins of the world. There must be punishment. But his love has equal and greater reach. He died for the sins of you and me to give us life forever. And so in the struggles of life, you and I are privileged to see that we are saved through faith in Jesus. And that that reach of the Lord to punish my sin is thorough and sure and true in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who died for me, who died for you. So sometimes in our lives, we get caught in the smallness of the struggle, and we forget the greatness of our God to forgive us and love us. And that's so important in the journey in which we walk. Let me share a story. The story of Luann. I saw Luann on Wednesday. Luann lives in Muskego. She and her husband. Luann is 79 years old. She's been married 59 years to her husband. Luann and her sister, her twin sister, Leanne, for years sang together, mostly hymns, lots of funerals. Leanne sang the melody, Luann sang the harmony, the alto. And as I'm talking to Luann and her husband, Lu Luann, she has Alzheimer's. So she's sitting and she's staring straight ahead, listening. And her husband said to me, can you come over and spend some time with Luann? I would like I would like her pastors to know her a little bit better before she goes home to heaven or before she slips away. But I want someone at her funeral to have known her. And so as she's staring and listening and her husband's telling me about their life, I said, Luann, do you remember everything that he's telling us, telling me? And she said, no, not most of it. I said, Luann, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you don't remember your name? She said, no, but not much else. And then her husband played for me an audio recording from about two months ago of Luann and her sister together two months ago singing. And they're singing the words to just a closer walk with thee. Just a closer walk with thee, granted Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. And then in verse 2, as Luann's listening, she starts to sing with the recording. When my feeble life is o'er, time for me will be no more. Guide me gently, safely o'er, to thy kingdom's shore, to thy shore. And as she sang, 
her voice was beautiful. And she hit every note of the harmony. You know what was more beautiful? Her faith. Her eyes of faith that in the darkness of her narrowing world, as Alzheimer's was taking away everything she knows, God still had her faith alive. And she sang with faith about her Jesus. And when she got done, her husband said to her, said to me, every night before I tuck her in, I say to her, you know the Lord Jesus loves you, right? And Luann turned and said to him in that moment, and you know Jesus loves you too. Is our God big enough to be there with us in the darkness when our world gets so small that we want to whine? Is our Jesus in the, there with us in the smallness of our world when we know we're going to die? Is our Jesus with us in the smallness of our world when our sin has caught us and our life is falling apart? Is our Jesus there for us with his power and his potential and his mercy and his love? If our prayer begins with a wine like Moses, he will forgive it. And if our prayer moves on to our request, Lord Jesus, help me see. Be my light. Take me safely home. Jesus will do that for me and for you. Jesus said to Israel through this event, pitch your tent with eyes that see. Same to you and me. Pitch your tent with eyes that see beyond the smallness of yourself, beyond the smallness of your life, to the halls of the mighty God who is going to give you a life and a world filled with joy that you and I can only imagine. You know, when you take a two-year-old camping, it's the wrong question to ask, what do you want for supper? Sometimes when you take a 62-year-old camping, it's the wrong thing to ask, what do you want for supper? Because even at 62, we like the world to be about me. And God says, no, this world's really about me and my love for you. Hold on tight. I'm bringing you home. Amen. Great God and Lord, We come before you today with thanksgiving and praise for the vision that you give us of not only this life after we die, but for this life while we are here. When we are born, the world seems before us, big and wide and beautiful. We are gifted and full of health and youth. And then life begins to happen and doors begin to close. The path begins to narrow. And we look to heaven at times and we whine and we say, Lord, why? And you as the great teacher look from heaven and you say, do you trust me? I am doing this to teach you. And in our struggles, Lord, you teach us to look to the cross of Jesus Christ. That in love for us, he died to forgive our sins and to give us life 
forever, a life with no doors, a life wide open with joy and beauty and love. And you teach us then to trust you in the small things of life because you have given us the biggest thing of life. So forgive us when we are like your people, Israel, and we whine. But help us know that we never need to fear your punishment, which you brought on those who did not believe, because through faith in Jesus, we are secure in the forgiveness of, sin, of sins and in your love forever. So help us live our lives every day, knowing that our tent is to see your power and potential to bless in all things and your love that promises to do so. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. And now receive with believing hearts the blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. And God's people say, Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.